We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter. New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. And I know we teased it on the last podcast. We do apologize. We were not doing the Kayvon Thibodeau break on the last one because we wanted to spend a little bit more time to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Kayvon Thibodeau, NFL Draft Profile 2022. And this is a very exciting one for me specifically for a lot of reasons. One, uh, be honest with you guys, I don't get as excited to talk about offensive linemen. Just going to be completely honest. They're, they're important to evaluate. They mean everything to the Giants. They mean everything to football. But it's not as fun to watch their tape as it is a wide receiver, a running back, a quarterback, even an edge, what we're getting to today. In my mind, even like a corner, to be just to be completely honest with the situation. Like There is some fun watching the linemen when they get in the run game or when they're in space and they make a play. But a lot of it is more technical stuff, and I like to defer to the people who know more than me, Nick being one of them, and a lot of the smart people I've studied and I've learned to study uh, who do offensive line evaluations online. And, yeah, so it's a lot of fun to watch these edge prospects, especially edge prospects like Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm going to get to why I'm so excited about him in a bit. But first, Nick, I wanted to get your kind of overall thoughts having watched the film on Thibodeau. And I want to start with a talking point because – Obviously, everyone's seen or some people have seen the Joel Clad interview where Thibodeau talked about why he chose Oregon over Alabama. You know, he made the comment about Alabama's education, the comment about Oregon helping set him up for his future. Obviously, you know, with their connection to Nike and potential brand based off field stuff that could be in his future. There's some discussion by some people that he took off plays. I want to get your thoughts on both of those two things, and I'll give mine after because I feel like we have to touch on this topic because nobody wants another DeAndre Baker on the roster, and I'm not saying I think he's the next DeAndre Baker. I certainly don't. But the point being, nobody wants that, and you have to vet these guys personally for sure. Yeah, so the the interview with Joel Klatt, it, it did come off a little smug, a little, a little arrogant. What world do I want to be a part of? If I go to Alabama, 
I'm going to win national championships. Literally. I said, but do I want to be a guy who's known to be a, a national championship winner? Or do I want to be a guy who's known for being a part of the greatest organization in the world? But a brand like Nike, I mean, for me, it was like, what, what brand associations do I want to be tied to? Sure. You know what I mean? And for me, I, I already hate the stigmatism of, of football players being dumb jobs. Totally. So now, do you know what the stigmatism of, of Alabama education? It ain't the West Coast. No. You know what I mean? It ain't Harvard. No, I, I, I so hear you. me, I, I have to look at it and say, I'm only going to be in college for three years. Like I said, but if I would have went to Alabama, I pro- I, one, I probably would still be there. And we wouldn't be sitting here today. Two, I probably wouldn't have graduated yet. And three, I don't know if my degree would mean anything. Mm. And there's no guarantee. I think Oregon might be the only place where you are guaranteed. And it's not, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. But there is a 90% chance that if you want to, a Nike opportunity is there. Mm. And, and there's a guarantee that if you play football at Oregon, you can work in the corporate Nike world. That's a guarantee. And Phil Knight, I could call him and he'd, he'd say that today. Well, why? Because he's so invested in the future. So I understand why people were were upset about it. Him and Greg McElroy went back and forth because he he did, Thibodeau, that is, kind of criticize Alabama's education system. I, I'm willing to chalk that up as a an innocent mistake in a conversation that he probably didn't fully think through. This is still a 20, what, 20, 21-year-old kid. I'm not overly worried about it. And in terms of him taking plays off, I'm going to go over this in a little bit, dude. I, I don't know where that narrative came from. Now, I will say I don't have access to the film of a Daniel Jeremiah, of a Todd McShay. I am a poor in terms of being able to get film. I have access just like you know most people do. But in the film that I did see, I think it was two 2021 games and then like four 2020 games. I've never seen him take a playoff. The guy was running around with his hair on fire, was making plays from the backside consistently. So I'm not 100% certain if that narrative is 100% valid or what. I I get the criticism, like like I said, because of the interview and people having concerns about him being a little forward thinking, but I'm not going to read super far into that. Yeah, I'll start with the first thing, and that's the Phil Snow interview. Or I'm sorry, not the Phil Snow interview, the uh, the Joe Klatt interview. And I'll start by saying this. I think that everybody who's ever been the dominant alpha player at their position, at their sport, has been a little cocky, has been a little arrogant. Think of Michael Jordan. Think of Aaron Rodgers. Think of players like that. So if he has that cockiness, that arrogance, I'm not going to hold that against him. And I'll be quite honest with you. I do think Oregon sets him up for better post-career and for even, you know, better off-field endorsement, brand-based stuff than Alabama does. He would be just another name in that Bama cog. Instead, he was the star of that Oregon defense. He was, he wanted to be and tried to become a, you know, historical player at that program. That would be something that Nike and and obviously Oregon that would stand out to them. So I think that that type of decision is more forward thinking than anything else. I personally am not going to hold his cockiness against him. And I'm personally not going to hold that type of decision against him. I think that's forward thinking and I think it's smart. And so I'm not going to go against that. Now to the second thing, the taking plays off. I've tried to do a lot of watching on Cape on Thibodeau to find this, the film that me and Nick have access to. It doesn't have everything we would want. It has a deep, we have a decent portion of games, So I did some research, Twitter, YouTube, what I can find, and I just haven't seen much, or I haven't seen any. I'm with Nick. I just don't see any examples of him, quote-unquote, 
taking plays off. There's one thing from the Pac-12 championship game, I believe it was from 2021. It was either that or his bowl game, I can't remember, where there's a play by the red zone where a, ran, a run cut back toward him, and it kind of looks like he's like he's caught inside and doesn't make an effort to try to dive before this guy crosses the goal line. At the time, though, and this was a, I believe it was from a video. I forgot who the guy who broke this down, but he did a good job breaking this down. Like, At the time, Oregon's down four touchdowns, and it's the last game of his career. He's got thou- millions of dollars on the line. I'm actually, personally, if you believe that this was a bad decision by him, then we're just not in the same boat. Because if you're, if you're down four touchdowns, and you're diving and potentially tearing your ACL to make a tackle that's probably going to be, the ball's probably going to reach over the goal line anyway, even if you do make the tackle and you tear your ACL or you get some kind of major injury, that's a bad decision. The better decision is, is in my mind, to not dive when the play's already spilled away from you and you're caught inside anyway. And outside of that, I just don't see any examples of him, specifically as a pass rusher, taking plays off. I even see examples of the opposite. He pursues runs from the backside really well, and that's obviously a testament to his insane athleticism. But he does a really good job pursuing runs to the outside. I saw examples of him doing things uh, on on runs that cut back to the inside where he's shedding a block and throwing his shoulder into a blocker to try to blow up a run play or diving to try to blow up a run play. So I almost feel like it's the opposite with Thibodeau. I don't see that at all. I won't be holding that against him. But like you said, Nick, obviously we don't have access to every game he's ever played, and we don't have time to watch that anyway. So it's possible that we're just missing it. It's possible. And his pro day is coming Friday, April 2nd. And that's important because at the combine, he did the bench press and was an absolute beast there. He ran the 40, was solid with the 40 as well. But then he didn't do the combine drills. And I know you, I think we mentioned earlier, like it, it wasn't a big deal to you, but the fact that he said he was going to and then he just decided not to. I can see why people who have this image of him, this negative image of him, it could be substantiated by that decision. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world, but I do believe it is something that people will read into and now kind of use against him. And if that further drops his stock so the Giants can get him with their second first round pick, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Exactly. That's the. I don't know if that will ultimately drop his stock, but... Some of the reasons why I'm so excited. Let's let's get into that now because we I think we can turn the page on the off field stuff. I and, uh, again, it means a lot more to other people than it apparently does to me and Nick. But that's also because we've seen a lot of tape and we don't seem taking plays off. And again, like I I just I don't find any of that interview or any of the stuff that we've heard or or he said to personally be a negative. Uh, just just to be honest. So. Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about the tape. And I want to start with why I'm so excited about Kayvon Thibodeau at the next level and why I think he has the clearest path in my mind to being an early all-pro type asset, Micah Parsons type impact, the type of impact. Like, you look at the guys who made the biggest impact last year. Micah Parsons was one of them, especially from the edge. And I think he has the clearest path to that because he has two things that you're just never going to be able to teach. And they're two things that I think show up and translate immediately. They're two things that I think you can wipe away and say, you know, one of the biggest things with some of these players is, can they translate against better competition? Like you watch Trevor Penning on film and he's dominating and throwing these people to the ground, but they're players who are never going to play at the NFL level for more than like a situational role. And even a player like Garrett Bowles, a lot of the discussion was he was old his final season and he played a lower against lower competition. And it took him a while to translate in the NFL Garrett Bowles. He was a bust for a while until Mike Munchak got there and fixed him. The traits that Kayvon Thibodeau has, I think, work against anyone. And those, the two traits that he has, they're just, to me, elite-level traits. 10 of 10 stuff. 
from what I've seen from all the edges over these last few years when we've started to take the draft seriously since we started doing the podcast. One, it's the burst and the get-up off the line of scrimmage, which is just incredible. And two, it's that bend and lower body athleticism and flexion to get around the edge. And when you have those two traits, this is what I saw with Von Miller back in the day. Von Miller, back in his draft, he wasn't, he fell a little bit into the middle of the, I mean, he ended up being an early first round pick, but at times people were saying like, should he go in the 10 to 15 range? There were a lot of things that people were questioning about his game. But one, the two traits that he had were the burst off, the, the get off off the line of scrimmage and the bend. And when you have those two traits, it makes you really difficult to stop as a pass rusher, even if you don't have a wide variety of pass rush moves, which has been, you know, a lot of what people knock Kayvon Thibodeau for, and excellent hand placement, which is another thing a lot of people knock Kayvon Thibodeau for. And those are two, and, and I think you have a much better chance at learning to be better with your hands and learning to have a bigger variety of pass rush moves than you do of learning to... Uh, to have a great get off off the line of scrimmage, you're not going to learn that. That's not teachable. And learning to have that kind of flexibility and bend and athleticism to get around to bend the edge. Cause again, that's also not teachable. And it shows over and over and over again. I mean, this is a guy who was mostly winning with just two different kinds of moves. He mostly wins with that dip and rip around the edge. And then in my mind, at least Nick, and you can correct me on these, or you can offer your own opinion on the ways that you see him win. But he mostly wins with that and with his length, in my mind. I think his length is one of the most underrated aspects of Kayvon Thibodeau's game because he just does such a good job of using his length to to get inside and then disengage and use it as somewhat of kind of like a – it's not as as polished, but it's he's stronger than I think I ever expected. And it's obviously part of that is with his length. But he does a good job to extend and then just break free from that offensive tackle and get after the quarterback and and man i just get so excited watching him because i see him as just an immediate translator to the next level yeah he's six foot four 254 pounds 33 and an eighth inch arms and i thought he was going to have longer arms because you're right he has elite type of length in terms of how he uses it and how he employs it and i think that's maximized by the leverage and the fact that he can keep his hips so low and drive through the ground to really put tackles into just a dangerous position in terms of his bend i think he can bend i don't see the elite ankle flexion of avon miller though no 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 you're right nick i think i got a little bit ahead of myself there in a sense i don't think he has the same ankle flexion as von miller i don't think i'm gonna see that for a long time but that dip and rip move and that bend that he has is what reminded me of the old Von Miller. And more so, it's the get off. That get off is just so elite off the snap. And it puts these offensive tackles in such a tough position. I remember watching a move that he doesn't use like often, but he had, uh, I believe, what game was it? I'm trying to see from my notes. I think it was verse. Utah, no, versus Utah is a different one. He he had a like Dwight Freeney like move where he had the Dwight, the old Dwight Freeney spin back move. And you just saw the just elite level of athleticism, how effortless it was for him to use a move that obviously isn't in his repertoire. You don't see it a lot on his film and not something he's perfected or not something he really even uses very often, but something he was able to do, just pick it up just like that. And I've even seen that in some of just like, he's not a big, you know, he doesn't use the swim move very often, but that's like a move that I've seen him use at times and just immediately be able to do just based on his athleticism. And, and so maybe it's more so the get off, but I do feel like that edge bend is also just maybe not the same from the flexion, you know, from the ankle flexibility level, but just to me, totally elite. Yeah, he has uh, an array of moves. And I'll get into just some of the things I really like about Kayvon Thibodeau. I did a YouTube breakdown on Big Blue View as well, if anybody wants to go and check that out. And I, I do feel like there's 
a lot to love about Thibodeau. And he's just scratching his immense surface because he has, as we said, great size, length, very explosive. And I feel like he does a great job engaging tackles off the snap, exploding low to high with good heavy hands, good pop in his hands. Excellent balance at the point of attack, good short area quickness, change of directions to slant inside. He just gives himself advantageous angles to get to the quarterback. He can get skinny while slanting inside, has that low center of gravity, just kind of puts tackles in a bind because he can win in so many ways. He can win with speed. He can win with power. He does a good job converting the two in conjunction with each other. And I've seen plenty of times, and I'm sure you did too, man. He lands that double hand punch on the breastplate and then just executes great lower leg drive to put tackles on skates. And he can employ and kind of build off that and use a long arm technique because one arm is longer than two arms, right? Because then you can use your chest to maximize the length, kind of like we were talking about before. And when he does that, it sets up subsequent pass rushing moves. And he has that speed to win the edge and enough lower body flexibility to bend the corner. So that's going to put these tackles in this really weird spot where they're like, well, he can run right through my breastplate, but at the same time, he has the speed to win against my edge. So I have to anticipate and be really, really quick to react to what he does. And I feel like Thibodeau does such a good job disguising his intentions as he's pass rushing. And he can put people on skates, bro. And he has a large array of pass rushing moves. And you can tell in 2021 that he really thought about the employment of those moves. Thibodeau, he won the outside shoulder with speed rip combinations, like you said. He flashed this ghost technique where he set up the long arm move a bunch of times throughout the game. And then the ghost technique is when you throw the long arm and that's just in order to get that tackle to sink their hips and expect power. And then you dip that shoulder and just go right around the edge. He didn't sack the quarterback on that play, but it was just an amazing move. And then he also flashed this. And I think you were alluding to this before it was against UCLA. It was a fake inside spin move in a coffee house manner where he quickly pivoted off of his inside foot and exploded back up the pass rushing arc. Like the amount of, balance and control you need to do that it's insane and he possesses all of those qualities and again he didn't get home on that play but it indicates processing and this advanced ability to kind of maximize the art of pass rushing and something i really love about him i think he's smart he's quick to adjust to tackles who are going to over a set to count for his speed and with that said i do believe thibodeau could be better at getting to his second move i think he thinks about it And I think this was a little bit more of an issue in 2020 than 2021, but I did feel like he got stuck with the double hand bull rush power move a little bit too long before he kind of went to his secondary move. I think this is totally correctable. As I said earlier, he has the moves, he has the strength and the power. He can win with speed. He has enough bend. I think like we said, the ankle flexion is an elite, but not many pass rushers possess that. And then he just flies around with bad intentions, looking to punish whoever has the ball. The overall hand technique, I think can improve. And I expect it to, but there is so much to like here. And there's still so much room for growth, which means that this guy's potential and the ceiling is just skyrocket high. And I get why people really have kind of fallen in love with his game. And I, like we said earlier, man, I just don't see the reason to, to say that he gives up on plays. I haven't seen that with my eyes. Is it possible? Sure. I haven't seen it though. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't seen it. And I'll say this. I mean, we're going to get to some of the concerns that you have and then some I have that I want to ask you about and specifically to see what your thoughts are on. But as far as the potential goes, in combination and conjunction with the immediacy, because I think there's an immediate floor here, a very high floor here immediately too. Like to me, when you have that kind of get off and you have that kind of edge bend and athleticism, 
you're immediately going to be a pass rusher at the end of a level. I also think from what I've seen, I want to get to this in the run game. I think he's an insanely underrated run defender. And I want to get to that because the, everything I've seen on film tells me he's actually really, really, really good run defender. I don't know why it's not talked up as much. And I want to see your take on that. But that combination of things to me tells me not only is he ready to be an immediate contributor, that's in addition to the ceiling, which to me is all pro level. And so, to me, this is just a clear-cut number one prospect in the class. I don't see that with almost anyone in this class except for Hutchinson. And I can understand Hutchinson being your number one prospect for sure. I just personally buy into these traits more and the ceiling more. But I think that they, that that these two have separated themselves from all the tackles in this class, from everybody at safety except for maybe Kyle Hamilton, but I have to watch more, from all the corners in this class, from all the receivers in this class, from all the quarterbacks in this class. And so... If they could get him at five, and we'll get to that later, that's why I'm so excited about him. But I want to talk about a few more things with Thibodeau that stood out to me. And the first one would be his get-off off the line of scrimmage, that lateral quickness, that ability to just get a huge jump and put and put the opposing offense in a tough spot. To me, where it shows up also, and I want to get your take on this, is in the run game, where I feel like there's a lot of times where – he does a really good job with that get off of getting up field, getting, you know, vertical and attacking the forward, you know, attacking down the line of scrimmage for tackles for losses. Like he makes these these awesome plays for TFLs that I think are just immediately going to show up at the next level. And then I see him setting the edge and doing a really good job of being physical at the point of attack. And again, like you said, the length is a huge thing here. Like, although he doesn't have those long arms, he, like you said, I guess it's partially the leverage he gets and just his ability and the way he uses the length that he does have, but it allows him to hold the edge. And this is a guy who can bench press 27 reps. That's what he did at his combine. And you could see that his strength is there. The strength and length combination it allows him to get away. And I saw so many examples of him getting disengaging and then making the tackle for a loss. There's an example I saw against I'm trying to remember this. This was against Utah where they tried to do um, a trap block from him with the tight end come from the other side of the line of scrimmage. He dipped his shoulder in. He slams the, he just destroys this tight end to the ground and then dives to make the tackle for loss at the line of, behind the line of scrimmage. And that first step, man, it's just such a game changer for these TFLs, these big time plays on key third downs at the next level or, you know, any key moment in a short situation. So I feel like he has a lot of upside as a run defender too. He did that to our guy. UCLA's tight end Greg Dolchik too. It was oh, a split yeah. flow action where he was coming from the backside and KT was the unblocked defender. And I, even before I saw the play, I was like, this isn't going to go well. I like Dolchik, but he's not really a blocker. <laughs> and KT floored him. <laughs> that was like, oh my God. Because he, he's so, he's just so physical, man. Like he, he has all the functional strength and technique to set the edge consistently at the NFL level. Like we said earlier, man, he keeps those hips low, uses every bit of his extension to keep offensive tackles away from gaining access to his chest. Does a great job getting his eyes on the ball carrier, holding that point of attack. And he consistently fights through double team blocks, displays quick reactive hands to disengage, which you love to see. But I will say this. I think he's a little bit undisciplined at times in terms of gap integrity because there were times when he was the contained defender, there was no one, no linebacker scraping over the top to replace or anything like that, where his responsibility was to contain and, you know, box the run back inside. But instead, he kind of got greedy and he shaded inside towards the B gap, anticipating that the running back was going to hit that B gap. But instead, the running back was just baiting him and then bounced outside and ran for 20, 25 yards. I think he's a little bit over aggressive in that area. Don't think it's a huge deal. I think he's plenty smart to understand the construct of a defense. I think he was just a little over eager 
and trying to make a big play for his defense, whereas risk reward may, may have been a little bit too aggressive instead of being prudent. I think this is all correctable, though. It's not like he's not going to know not to do that. It's very correctable and coachable aspect. It's just something that I feel like I should probably bring up. I'm not overly worried about it. And just kind of going on to more things about his game, he's also really good, I think, able, and I want to get your take on this, to drop into coverage, man. He has that size that Martindale's going to look for. He he did it you know, solid amount in Oregon. It wasn't extensive, but every time I saw him in coverage, he knew what he was doing. And he has enough fluidity in his hips to to turn, to accelerate, to to have the awareness on where routes are coming from and what the offense is trying to do. He seemed like a smart player from that area as well. So as long as his formal interviews went well for the New York Giants, this guy has to be in consideration for them at five or seven. Yeah, without a doubt. We'll get to that in a bit, but I do want to talk touch on both the things you mentioned. The first being the run stuff. So I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's something that can be coachable pretty fast, right? Like the, it's you yeah. can't coach the first step. You can't coach uh, a, a player's physicality at the point of attack, setting the edge, a player's length, and how that, and a player's strength and length and strength and that ability to make plays in the run game. But you can probably coach up gap integrity and, you know, being a little too over aggressive. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think he was just trying to make make a play, which isn't something yeah. I'm going to hate. He's got to realize that sometimes you have to execute your assignment. And if you don't, you're going to burn your defense. Yeah. But he, he realizes that like he was just trying to make a, a big play tackle for a loss instead of allowing a one yard, two yard game. Sure. And that I agree. It can be coachable, can be correctable. And so these are things that you want in my mind. These are like great knocks to have. When I look at prospects, I've so much rather these knocks than like, you know, the guy like O'Shane is imminent comes in the NFL wide array of pass rush moves and hand usage, but doesn't have any kind of physical traits that are going to translate against NFL level tackles. And obviously didn't have the physicality, the length and the strength to set the edge in the run game. So what is that? That's somebody who won at the, at the old dominion level as a pass rusher with 16 sacks or whatever it was like, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't think that translates most of the time. But these are the tr the traits that translate. And like you said, I have it in my notes too. I'm, I'm so happy you brought it up because it's never talked about with Thibodeau. And maybe it's something that we would have preferred uh, in the Perry. Um, wow, I almost said Perry Fuel. And not know why I almost said Perry Fuel. I try not to ever think about the Perry Fuel days, even though Perry <laughs> Fuel did find a way to win a Super Bowl, which is amazing with how poorly he designed, schemed, and coached up a defense. But Having said that, with the Patrick Graham defense, it's almost better. But I love that you, you know, it's almost more apt and applicable. But I love that you mentioned that he can drop in coverage because he's super fluid in his lower body and just overall as an athlete. Like I watch a lot of these plays where he's dropping coverage, making a play on the ball, a tip pass, or just being in the way of a passing lane. He can do that. I'm not so sure that's how Wink will use him all the time, but at times he will. And it's, and it's good to know that he can use him that way because it gives the Giants more versatility when Thibodeau's on the field if they do draft Thibodeau. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it right there. And also, man, as a read defender, which is prevalent in the NFL and in college. And what I mean by read defender is when you're running the read option as an offense, you set hike, you're in the shotgun, you put the football in front of you, and then you read a defender. And then that's called the mesh point. You allow the running back to enter the mesh point. Whatever that defender does, you're going to react to. So Kayvon Thibodeau is the read defender. I'm the quarterback. If he bites up like he's going to play the play the running back that I'm going to tuck the ball and run around him where his responsibility was. But if I put it into the running back's stomach and then he stays put, then I'm just going to allow the running back to run the football, hand it off. And now there's not a backside pursuit defender to tackle him from behind. It's a great way to kind of eliminate a defender and leave him unblocked. It's excellent. He's proliferating all over college football and NFL for you know the last decade or so, maybe even a little bit more, but when you do that to Kayvon Thibodeau, and there was plenty of times where UCLA tried it and other teams tried it, it did not work. <laughs> he, he flew in there to the best point so quickly and just blew up the play because he has that quick twitch, short area quickness and burst to just close with and to just make it an absolute difficult assignment for the quarterback to make a decision. Yeah, exactly, Nick. And it's so I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of the time, I think at least, when people hear this nonsense, and that's what I'm calling it, and so are you. And I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I know you are calling it too. This nonsense that he takes off plays that me and you just simply haven't seen. A lot of people assume that means he's not effort. You know, he doesn't bring effort to the run game. That's so far from the truth. This guy brings so much effort to the run game. This is not a, you know, a Yannick Nguakwe, whatever, Nguakwe, however you pronounce his last name, coming into the NFL as just a pure pass rusher guy that you know is not going to be able to set the edge or want to set the edge. He brings physicality to the run game, including, and with his physicality, with his length, with his strength, he also brings what you said, which is most important, that twitch, that burst to attack. And I also think it shows up on backside run plays too. He, I see him chasing down yeah. backside run plays like Justin Tuck in his rookie season. And I'm like, this guy is being questioned for effort and he's chasing down backside run plays? Like, come on. All the time too. Like, check out that YouTube that's on the Big Blue View. Maybe I'll put it on our YouTube channel, get that going a little bit. But check it out, dude. There are so many plays that I highlight where he's chasing stuff down from the backside. And, and like you said too, Dan, like the things that are correctable, the thing against the run, like that's definitely correctable. I think hand usage could be corrected. I think he flashes a lot of those pass rushing moves that we talked about, but they're not necessarily refined. But I, those are all coachable points. Those can all be developed. Doesn't mean they will be developed, but they can be developed. So there's so much room for growth, which is another thing that that you have to look at and be like, dude, this is still somebody who can be more than what he already is. And what he already is is well worth the fifth overall pick in the draft. It's funny, too, because it's like, He's unpolished in a lot of those ways. And 
you know, it's viewed as a knock by some evaluators or when some people talk about a prospect. It's almost like, yeah, it, it can be a knock for day one of the NFL for the first OTA practice. But in some ways, it's also a positive, right? Like it's also a good thing to be unpolished mm -hmm. because it means that you're being evaluated based on what you're not, where you're not, you're not at your peak. Like if he had all the peak, if he wasn't unpolished, he'd be the number one overall pick by far and away right now. And the Giants wouldn't even have a chance at a player like this, at a prospect like this. So it can be a good thing. And the little glimpses too, Dan, that we do see with Kayvon Thibodeau shows that he's thinking about that pass rush plan. Now, it might not all be refined and perfectly put together, but that little fake out or inside spin move that he pulled off that was just, you know, wildly good. And it's not going to catch headlines because he didn't sack the quarterback, might not even have got a pressure, but that shows that he was baiting that tackle. He was setting that tackle up, you know, and I love to see that, to be honest, because it shows that you're thinking you're not just running around, running amok. You, you, you have a plan. Now, that plan can be refined, but I, I love the fact that he seems so cerebral with the game already. Exactly. He does seem, and that's another thing. For a guy who's being knocked for effort, maybe we should be instead crediting him for being a cerebral player that we don't always see from that position and from prospects that are, you know, evaluated as such top guys. So, just another thing. I want to get to some of the negatives that are not negatives, but concerns that I might have. I want to see your concerns too, Nick. But first, I want to talk about one more thing that I felt was really a plus in his game. And that, in my mind, is just, again, from an athletic standpoint. It's his ability to make cuts, lateral cuts, and reshift his body weight so effortlessly and so like seamlessly. And what that does, that gives him the ability to, like you said, attack certain angles on the football field cross the line of scrimmage against that offensive line that give him some of those TFLs, but also give him the ability to like you, like you talked about his dip and rip his ghost move. Like those, these are good moves that he used a lot for sacks to get around the edge. But I see him also a lot of time, like attacking just angles uh, on the line of scrimmage, like not necessarily a bull rush, not necessarily in a, you know, a Benny edge type pass rush, anything around that, but just simply using his insane athletic ability, ability to cut reshift his body weight and speed and burst. And just attack a, a gap and just get there. Like it's like I don't know what this move is called, but I just see it a lot on his film where he just kind of cuts inside, attacks a gap, and then just gets home. Yeah, he slant. Yeah, he just slants inside, and he can keep his center of gravity so low while maintaining momentum forward and kind of dip that outside shoulder to penetrate, say, the B gap. If he's going from like a wide nine position, he has the type of body control and balance to do that. You're right. And also in terms of redistributing his weight, he can do that. Now, you, a lot of edges can do that. You know, it's more of a concern for interior offensive linemen, maybe even offensive tackle. But he does it very efficiently. He does it very quickly. And it looks very, very smooth when he does it. And again, like I, one of the best, I think, ways to describe Kayvon Thibodeau's just movement ability is control. He has a lot of control over his body when he moves. And he also has really, really good athletic traits. So you combine those two things, you're getting a, a pretty good player to start with. Yeah, damn good player to start with. Now let's talk about some of the concerns that we have. So let me start by asking you one concern that I have that I've seen on his film. And then I want to get your just pure scouting breakdown of the concerns. We can work off of that. And then I'll get into some other ones that I've heard. But the first one that I saw before the ones we get into that I've heard and read about, because these are ones that I don't see as much as that i guess the other people have but one that i see is that sometimes he has trouble with if the tackle can get his hands like inside on thibodeau early in the snap he's he yes at times you'll see him use his length 
to to disengage and make a good play. But that's usually when he gets his hands on first. When he gets the hands on him first, I feel like sometimes he just kind of gets sucked up in the in in that and and can't break free. Is that something you saw at all on the tape? I think his hand technique could be improved, which would help that. I didn't necessarily think it was a huge issue with his game. There were times where I saw him disengage. So I didn't come away with it as a as a huge knock. But there are times, you know, there are plenty of snaps, plenty of plays where, yeah, he gets stuck to the block, I guess you could say. I don't think it was something that I necessarily thought was hugely deficient with his game. But I think it also alludes to one of my bigger gripes with him, which is I think his hand technique can grow. Now, that can be applied to so many different areas of his game, not necessarily just, you know, disengaging in that one certain aspect that you just alluded to, but it definitely falls into that bucket. Yeah, fair enough. And let's get into some of the cons that you saw more of on tape. And then I'll get into, or concerns, we'll call them. And then I'll get into uh, some things that I've read that I wanted to get your take on that some people are concerned with translating to the next level, at least. Yeah, so I brought up a lot of them already. I don't think the ankle flexibility is elite. There were times where he won the edge and then fell at the top of the pass rushing arc. The ability to bend through contact, I don't think he had the ability like a Robert Quinn or a Von Miller to put that ankle flat consistently and bend through hard contact because he fell a couple of times. Don't think it was a huge deal because there were times where he was able to do so, but he fell enough at the top of the arc for me to be like, mm, that that might not be an elite trait of his. I still think he's a little bit raw as a pass rusher, although I think he thinks about his pass rush plan, which is something that I feel like will really be grown in the NFL. I think he took a pretty good step forward from the 2021 film that I saw than as opposed to what I saw in 2020 in terms of his approach as a pass rusher. I felt like it grew, so I'm hoping that it continues to grow. And as I said, the hand technique, I think, can still be improved, and the discipline as a run defender can also be improved. But I think I kind of expressed all those concerns a little bit earlier. Yeah, he did a good job breaking them down earlier. And I think outside of kind of, you know, that off-field stuff with the interviews and the and the uh, taking plays off stuff, which – I'll say that me and Nick have debunked, at least in our film study. I don't see it at all. There are some concerns that you already brought up that I've seen, which is, you know, his hands as a pass rusher, his pass rush plan. But again, it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. And, you know, lacking a great pass rush plan right now is almost like a good thing. Because if he had that plan, like you said, you can see it on his film, as you said, Nick. He obviously has the processing ability. He seems like a smart guy. He's trying to get better at that. He will ultimately get better at that. Obviously, throughout his lifetime, he hasn't needed to be that dominant at that. He hasn't needed to be O'Shane Eximinens with his pass rush plan because he gets away with a lot of just having the traits that make you a pass, an elite pass rusher, a winning pass rusher. So once he starts to say, okay, I'm already thinking about how to get these good. Now I'm working on getting these good. I'm thinking the right way about getting these good with Wink Martindale and all the coaching staff on the Giants or whoever drafts him, giving him the right mindset and the right, you know, ideas is how to get better with your pass rush plan. Well, now you've got a guy who already has the elite traits physically and he has a pass rush plan. So who is he now? Is he just somebody who's really difficult to stop? And that's what he could be. So a lot, again, these concerns that people have with him, I feel like are almost in some ways a good thing. It's crazy to say, but like can be a good thing. At least if you're thinking of this from like a ceiling and floor standpoint with any prospect that gets drafted. So I don't have too much else from a concern standpoint. I will say this. He doesn't have the same kind of versatility as some of these other players. Like he spent, at least according to pro football focus, 
505 snaps outside the he aligned outside the tackle, only 26 over the tackle and only 10 in the B gap. So he's very specific in his role at Oregon. Uh, I don't know if you view that as a knock, but it's just something to add uh, to his profile. I think with the New York Giants, that's the position he would play outside of the tackle. You'd want versatile players, yes, but if you're really good outside of the tackle and you look at the Giants roster, he would easily be the best player, I think, stepping into the NFL in terms of potential, in terms of growth, in terms of athletic ability. He would slide right into that position as the outside the tackle, outside linebacker. Sam, I think he could play that. He could drop into coverage if, if you need him to. I think he's fluid enough to do that, but ideally he would be used as a pin your ears back pass rusher who can, who's a three down player who can also play the run. But you also look at how Wink Martindale calls a defense. He likes to kind of rotate a lot of players. He wants to disguise his intentions. So he would be dropping into coverage. And I think he's fluid enough to do that. I think he can be taught as well. He could move just because he didn't at Oregon doesn't mean he can't do it. I think he probably can line up over the tackle if he needs to. I think he's good enough as a run defender to do so, but it would probably make his ability to win the edge a little bit difficult, but I think he could adjust to that. I'm not overly worried about that part of his game. Yeah, me either. <laughs> it's not too many things I'm overly worried about when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau. It's, instead, it's um, full-blown, full steam ahead with me. I, I really want this guy in the Giants, so let's get to that. Let's get to Fitz. Let's get to, if he's on the board at five overall, would you take Kayvon Thibodeau? I think I would, yeah, but I would have to see what the trade package would be to to jump the Carolina Panthers at six. I'm honestly, even though I have a higher grade on Kayvon Thibodeau than Evan Neal, haven't done Icky yet, I think there's a real conversation to be had there. I might choose Neal at five, hope Kayvon Thibodeau falls past six, and then try to get him at seven if you're not going to trade down. So I think I might prefer Neal just because it's such a glaring need, and I do have them similarly graded, although I do have Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit higher. I think that's where I'm at right now. It's still fluid. I still have film to watch on a lot of top prospects, but that's probably where I am now. Well, that was going to be my next question. Is there any prospect you would take over Kayvon Thibodeau at five overall? Yeah, Evan Neal, I think, is somebody that I would definitely consider, and, and I'll let you know Hutchinson? on Icky. Hutchinson, not, I have a— on I, Icky. And what about Hutchinson? I have, a, I have a higher grade on Hutchinson, but I think there's a good argument to be had that Kayvon Thibodeau has a higher ceiling than Hutchinson. I think Hutchinson's floor is high. I think Thibodeau's floor is high. I think the questions about Thibodeau's quote-unquote character have to be sussed out in the in the interview process. I don't. I didn't see this stuff on the film, like we said. I'm not in the interview room. That needs to be felt out by each individual team. I think it's a little bit overblown, but I'm not there. So I think that's a fair thing. But in terms of Hutch, I think he's much better with his hands. We're probably not going to do a draft profile on Hutch. We could. I, I, I've watched him and everything. He's very efficient with his hands. You could tell he's really worked on that double swipe move, win the outside. He doesn't have the type of bend. I think he's a good athlete, Hutchinson, but he doesn't have that same type of bend that I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau has just in his lower half in general, even though Thibodeau doesn't have the elite ankle flexion. I think Thibodeau offers more as an athlete than someone like Hutchinson, despite the fact that Hutchinson is a good athlete. I feel like Thibodeau's probably a little bit more fluid moving laterally than Hutchinson is, who's a little bit more of a vertical. I'm going to press you vertically, even though Hutchinson is still laterally gifted as well. We're talking about top prospects in the draft here. Yeah, without a doubt. We most likely won't do Hutchinson only because we think he's going, it's like a best kept secret in the NFL. He's going one overall. I'll say this, as far as if I had the number five overall pick, or the number one overall pick, let's say the Giants are picking at number one overall and assuming they couldn't trade down, it'd be a long decision for me between, it'd be a tough decision for me between Hutchinson and Thibodeau. I feel like while Hutchinson or Thibodeau may have a higher ceiling, 
Hutchinson has an insanely high ceiling as well, too. And like a lot of the trait, like Ben is not the same. And so the athleticism is not the same, but like neither it wasn't there for TJ Watt either. And that was a big reason why TJ Watt fell. But you just saw watching TJ Watt at the collegiate level that he was going to be a star at the next level, even though he didn't have the prototypical type traits. And so I feel like the floor is higher with Hutchinson and the ceiling might not be all that much lower. So I think push comes to shove. I probably am taking Hutchinson maybe over Thibodeau. But for me, a case can be made. And I will say this as far as the fifth overall pick goes, and this is in relation to the same kind of project. I would not take any of these tackles over Thibodeau or Hutchinson. This is not what I would do. I don't think they're at the same level. I think we discussed a little bit on the last podcast when we did Neil. These guys, we we had lower grade. We will end up having lower grades on these tackles. Maybe not Icky because we haven't gotten to him yet, so we can't say that. Then we did on any of the 2018 or not the 2018 class, the um, the 2020 class with with uh, with Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs and Becton and uh, why am I forgetting the last one? Willis Jedrick Wills. So see, I, I go back and forth on that. Like I made that comment and then I thought about it a little bit and I'm like, there, there was a floor argument with Evan Neal that would put him more in a conversation with say a Makai Becton. Sure. I think think Andrew Thomas was also somebody who I felt like coming out, even though it didn't seem like this in his rookie season had a high floor. So uh, there would be more of a conversation. I haven't looked at my, you know, I, I, that was like my first draft. I think I ever was professionally covering. So my grades and everything like that is a little bit jumbled. I think there could definitely be a conversation to where I would, I would look at Neil in a more profitable manner. Potentially. I also do think there is somewhat of a lower floor potential for Neil, just based on some of what we've, some of the balance issues we've seen and some of the lunging we've seen, like it is at least possible to me that that could take some time to iron out at the NFL level. Similar to like, you know, Andrew Thomas had his own issue that took some time to iron out. Yeah, he absolutely did not. As you brought up Hutch, I'm going through some of the clips that I cut up of Hutchinson. Dude, that guy is so efficient with his hand usage. And he's another one who's very aggressive setting the edge plays with great leverage, he's great extension. Aggressive. Yeah, his hands are far like better than Kayvon Thibodeau's. I think that's safe to say. Very safe to say. But I also just feel like he doesn't have the same kind of get off and just yeah. pure athleticism as, as, as a Thibodeau. But again, these are just two guys that I love in this class. And the fact of the matter is one of them might be available to them in Thibodeau. And I, I, I'd be hard. It'd be hard. Pre- I mean, it depends what the offer was. If somebody said, you know, we need five, we don't want seven. We want to make sure we get Malik Willis. We want to make sure the Panthers don't take him. We need five. I could probably be talked into it, especially because if, you know, depending on where you drop, you may still have a chance at Thibodeau though doubtful i think but ultimately if i had to guess guns in my head i think the jets are taking Thibodeau at four i think hutchinson is going number one overall and i think that's just to close the book on it and, it, and that it, and that's if he doesn't go to the detroit lions at two you know or even at three any of these are in play for Thibodeau. like these evaluators are seeing what we're seeing when it comes to this prospect yeah i, I would agree with that my my thought process on picking Evan Neal over Kevin Thibodeau is mainly because you have Carolina at six. And I think if Evan Neal is available, he will be a Carolina Panther more than like, I think Charles Cross is in that conversation too, just because they need a left tackle as well. But I think I'd rather take the tackle at five. And I don't think the Carolina Panthers, they could go BPA, but you look at their defense, they have quite a few pass rushers. Their defense is not the problem. Their offense is the issue. So I think they would try to go offense there, which would mean Kayvon could be available at seven if the Giants don't trade back. That's kind of a thought process I have. I've seen a lot of other people have that similar thought process, and I think it's the same thing that Mel Kuyper just mocked in his latest mock draft. Yeah, and so that's also, you know, you have to play the the game theory of it all as well. You have to consider the game theory of it too. But 
I don't know. I just find myself tough. It would be tough for me to pass over Thibodeau from what I've seen and from how much I like this prospect. I will ask you this though, Nick, I'm curious about this. Well, we can, we can end it on this if you don't have anything more or we can keep going, but this is something interesting I was thinking about and I want to get your take on. I think, and obviously this was one of the first classes I started doing it for. I think I like Thibodeau as a prospect better than I liked uh, Chase Young as a prospect. I don't think he's as complete of a prospect, but I think as far as what I'm looking for from a projection standpoint, from a trait standpoint as a pass rusher, I think I liked him more than Chase Young. Yeah, let's go back to that draft. It was 2020. I probably don't. I think I would still prefer Chase Young, very efficient with his hands, had all the athletic traits that you want, gets to the half man very easily, can win the edge, similar to Kayvon Thibodeau, but I felt like Chase Young was a little bit more advanced with his hand usage and possessed probably, I mean, probably more athletic ability. I think that could be argued, even though KT is a great athlete. I think it's a good conversation. I don't think it's a ridiculous take by any means. I think I would lean Young, though. Most people would lean young. I think it's an outside the box take for me to have here. And I think that, like you said, young is a more complete player. Young had better length. Young had did a lot of the things that you want from a pass rusher at that stage of his career as a prospect, a lot better than Thibodeau does now. And obviously has, you know, length that Thibodeau doesn't have. Not and Thibodeau has good length, but not that chase young level length. But I just feel like the ceiling with Thibodeau, given those traits that he has the burst and his ability to bend the edge, uh, I just feel like for me, I see such a high ceiling with this dude, and I think he's going to be a freaking star at the NFL level. I think he's got the. I think he also has the right mindset to be a star. The, that drive to be, you know, to make a brand out of yourself, to be the best pass rusher in the NFL, something like that. Um, and we never really looked at because you know he came in, and this is off topic a bit, but he came in as a pass rusher at Penn State, and then played on the inside as a backer and an off ball backer. Micah Parsons. So we didn't really look at him. I feel like when we did our evaluation, we loved him, but we never really considered like just straight up upside. He had as a, as an edge pass rusher. I think we, we discussed it, but it wasn't, we didn't expect it to be as fruitful as it ended up being in his rookie season with Dan Quinn. And that just goes to show you to fit is everything. And we, yeah. we know that we acknowledge that on this podcast, Micah Parsons could have went to some defensive coordinator, didn't use him nearly as much. And he yeah. could have been like an, like an Isaiah Simmons. Now I think there's a lot more talent with Micah Parsons and you can't rule that out. And I think if you're a good coach, you'd notice, wow, this guy's really good moving forward and he's good with his hands and he's very good at winning the edge. I think we should probably put him there in certain situations. Some coaches won't do that though. They, they right. think very rigidly and then you're not maximized. Then you just look like, yeah, you know, he's a solid linebacker, good speed. He can drop into coverage, but you know, he's not that much of an impact player. <laughs> and that's not what you think of Micah Parsons right. at all. So it just goes to show you that Dan Quinn, man, he he worked wonders and that he'll probably be a head coaching candidate next year or the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's a great point as well. And so just another thing to think about. All right. That's all I've got on Cave on Thibodeau. Anything else from you, Nick? No, man. This was a good podcast, and we'll see if he's a giant. Yeah, I hope he's a giant, really. This is the number one guy on my wish list for the Giants. I really hope that we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau as a giant soon enough, and we'll see what happens. But long, long way to go. The draft's still a ways away. Things are going to change. But thank you again for tuning into the Big Boo Banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. More draft profiles coming. More interviews with draft experts coming. A lot of good stuff on, uh, you know, coming in down the line. So keep it locked and loaded. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of the week.